So uh, yeah, welcome everybody to class number five of eight, I think, yeah. So we have three more after this, and if it doesn't snow, that'll just happen in order, uh, although it's supposed to snow, so we'll see what happens. And okay, Kelsey, you could sit up here if you want. So I have like a real mixed bag of questions tonight. I'll see if I can kind of thread them together. Um, maybe starting just briefly touching on the background of what's going on. I personally think that meditation, so when I went into the monastery and became a monk, a lot of people were kind of like, huh? You know, what's this? Why? And I said, oh, you know, meditation, calming the mind, etc. People were like, what? What are you talking about? Go get a job, have a family, do what everyone else is doing, you know? And uh, 10 years later, I come back from my journey and, and I say, oh, I was just in a monastery learning meditation and every single person I talk to says, oh, I need that. So there's been a cultural shift over the past, I would even say decade, um, in a big way, a decade, that maybe 10, 20 years, that uh, we have been realizing that our mental and emotional states are really suffering because of the way that we are living our lives collectively. That depression, anxiety, um, stress are really on the rise. Life is moving faster and faster with the advent of phones and technologies. It's easier to kind of be distracted and it's easy to be connected to something which is not being connected to yourself. I think that's a big one to just keep in mind that when you're connecting to your phone, you're disconnecting from yourself, right? Um, and I think that just as that's all been happening, a, a collective mental and emotional suffering has been arising that people have been searching for an answer to, which is why things like meditation, why there's yoga studios in every town in America now, even why there's Whole Foods and like organic shopping that people are starting to search what is a better, healthier way to live our lives? What is a way to live our daily lives in a happier, less burdened way? And so I think that our collective suffering is directly what's leading to these spiritual practices, so to say, or these practices coming in to our culture. Maybe they'll say it like that. Um, okay. So now, talking about these emotions that arise, right? So I also work in schools, and in schools, pretty much all the kids now are medicated. Like, high percentage of kids are on medication. Um, which is very, so I was, we were, I was kind of part of the first generation, like when I was in school, that's when, you know, Ritalin came out, kind of. So I was put on something called Focalin which sounds like something from like The Simpsons or something, you know, but, but it, was, uh, it was real. And I took it my freshman year of high school and I remember that I could focus. I made these amazing like realistic drawings during my study hall and things, so it, it helped me focus. But I was losing weight. Uh, I had no appetite, I didn't feel good. Emotionally, I felt very disconnected. Like I felt like I was becoming an alien or something. I was losing my connection to my emotions. And I stopped. Um, and I think that when, in retrospect, I can look back and say, well, I wasn't able to pay attention in school, um, A, because I was growing up in a pretty emotionally abusive household, so I didn't have a lot of 
internal feelings of safety, security, love. So I had a lot of just fundamental problems at home in my life. And then I come into the classroom and then I'm expected to be chipper and ready to receive this information, um, which I wasn't. And also I didn't really care about the information. I didn't care about what I was learning in school. It wasn't interesting to me on any level. And I loved learning things on my own, things that I cared about learning. I learned really quick and easy. Um, I remember I went to like the Harvard bookstore and bought a, a book on like quantum electrodynamics when I was like 13 and read it. You know, my parents were like, what is this? Like you failing out of, you know, math class, but you're buying like books from Harvard. And I was like, yeah, because I'm interested in learning this. And there's also this very outdated school system as well which, you know, kids are put into this kind of factory, like, dink, dunk, 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 dunk. And you're expected just to care, and you don't. So our minds are everywhere in school. Um, but then the whole medication being the, the solution to that, it's very oppressive, actually. It's like we're oppressing the kids. It's, um, it's scary what that's doing. And it also shows that we didn't really take the time to try to understand, well, why are the kids like this? And maybe even have to see, oh, maybe the kids are like this because we are like this. Because kids are just our reflection. Whatever we are doing as a society, the kids are going to be reflecting that back to us. And we as a society collectively have really forgot a lot about what it means to be a human being. Uh, how to deal with our own feelings. How to share our feelings with each other. How to be part of a community. Um, Everybody's very busy, very focused on being successful, or very driven by fear and survival instincts, which are not in any part helped by things happening in the media or kind of financial situations. And so a lot of these emotions, um, things like fear, stress, anxiety, are rampant among everybody. And some people turn to this for help, some people turn to alcohol, some turn to Netflix, some just get really aggressive and frustrated and you know, don't know how to handle themselves, so they lash out at everybody around them. And uh, we're kind of a mess all together, I think, in a lot of ways. There's like a lot of mess going on. And one of the important things that I've learned through my practice, through my practice of meditation, through my time in the monastery, was that our feelings matter. Um, whatever we feel, it's important, especially the painful ones the ones that we usually don't want to feel, that we don't want to look at, that we try to run away from, that we try to build a life to not have to come in contact with. Um, those feelings are really important to be understood, to be healed, and also just simply they're a part of us. We have a very fractured way of living that some feelings belong, some don't. We like to push parts of ourselves away because whether they're not socially acceptable, um, right, a lot of people, they think they want to be polite, so they don't let themselves be angry. Um, a lot of times we push away feelings thinking that they're not okay. I, for myself, had, because also of kind of my upbringing, uh, pretty bad social anxiety disorder growing up as well. I was really afraid of social situations, afraid of people, afraid of being rejected, not accepted, bullied, uh, pushed around, unsafe. So I felt very vulnerable and afraid in social situations for a lot of my life, actually. Um, but especially when I was a kid. And when I was in the monastery, these feelings came up and I was on retreat, so I really had this time and space to look at these feelings and 
my initial response to them was like, oh, it's this feeling again, man, I hit this feeling. I try to like push through it or try to compensate by like trying to be stronger or angrier than I was or something. And I really took a moment to just drop in with one of these feelings. I remember it was this feeling of insecurity came up in me. And I said, okay, what is it that this feeling wants to tell me? And the feeling was fear. And it was kind of saying like, be careful, the world's going to hurt you. Right? Because as a kid, if your parents are emotionally unskillful and you are hurt, you think that that's what the whole world is. And going into school or in a social situation, if you have that mentality, you, of course, are very vulnerable to bullying. You're, of course, like not really able to stand up for yourself. You don't have confidence. So that feeling of the world is scary uh, kind of keeps going and keeps validating itself in different ways. And when I saw this feeling come up that said the world is scary, I looked at that and I said, oh, that insecurity, it's trying to protect me. And then I said, how funny that I've spent so much of my life fighting against this feeling, but this feeling is actually trying to help me. <clears throat> the problem is, is that there's a disconnect because that feeling is running off of a program that no longer applies. That there's this feeling that's like, it's, you're scared, it's everything's, you know, watch out, the world is scary. Whereas I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm actually not scared of the world. And in fact, I'm increasingly lonely because this feeling is always keeping me separate. I am not interested in being protected anymore. I'm interested in connecting to people. And I felt that feeling and I said, thank you. Thank you for trying to protect me all this time. I will now protect myself. You can go. And I have not felt that feeling since. And then I felt anger come up. And I said, well, what does anger want to say? And then I said, anger, what is it? And it was yelling and angry at somebody else. And I said, what's, what's the point? What's going on? And the anger was a pain that I had emotionally that somebody had hurt me. And it was trying to protect me also. And it was also a wound. The same way like if you get a cut, it hurts. Like if something cuts your arm, your arm hurts, that pain. That's like what anger is often, is that we've been hurt, and then there's a pain, and that pain is anger. Oftentimes, we stay in the anger, or we then are angry at the person, instead of maybe trying to go in again and see what is that pain about? Why I'm angry? Oh, because I wanted love, and I got something else, because I wanted to feel safe, but I got a feeling of unsafety. So anger, you can trace it back and say, what are you really about? What's the point? What did you feel that you didn't want to feel? And all of our emotions actually are our friends. They are all trying to help us, but it's also then up to us to start to relate, get into relationship with our emotions and start to correct them and tell them, you know, actually, I don't need you anymore. Thank you, right, with a thankfulness. Thank you, but actually, you're causing more harm than good, so, you know, I'm going to take over from here kind of thing. Um, I stopped fighting myself. That's a big one, to stop fighting ourselves. Whatever you feel, allow yourself to feel that, and it's fine. So kind of riffing off of that, coming to how do we practice in our off time? Because we don't feel like it. Yeah, it feels good to sit and kind of lounge and, and watch TV or go on the computer or do something. It feels good. So we, things feel good. What feels good is not necessarily what's best for us. It's not necessarily what's going to bring us to the place we want to go. It's not going to help us be who we want to be. It's maybe just comfortable. 
and this is also something that we have to look at is that it's not about fighting those feelings like if I'm sitting there and I don't want to do anything sometimes you need just to not do anything right but if you see that in any given moment like your your feeling of comfort or um, like it feels nice to be a vegetable if that feeling is starting to become destructive if you feel actually I really want to meditate actually I really want to go to the gym actually I really want to do something productive I want to read I want to do something that feels good but I'm not again it's not about fighting that feeling but it's about creating that relationship where you look at it and you say okay look you want to rest and relax I want that too feeling but if I do that right now I'm actually not gonna feel good in myself I'm actually gonna feel um, like I've just lost a little bit of my momentum or I've lost a little bit of my self-confidence or my feeling that I'm on the right path so here I'll make you a deal I'm gonna go to the gym and after I get back from the gym then I can sit here and do nothing yeah so it's almost that you start you can talk to your feelings you can make deals with them you can work with them yeah oftentimes I think our feelings it's either like I am my feeling I act out of my feeling that feeling is me or we suppress and repress our feelings we need to learn more how to be in communication in relationship with our feelings this will also help us be in relationship with other people it'll help us be in relationship with situations right then everything's not either like I fully embrace it or I fully reject it which is if you've seen Facebook in the last like year it's kind of where we're going as a polarization that it's either yes or no I agree or I don't agree that's right that's wrong more and more this polarization of how things are need to be versus something that would be called a relationship and a communication and understanding that everything has its place but only when it's kind of healthy and when it makes sense in relationship to the bigger structure um, so that's something to work on and sometimes we need to go in the wrong way, the wrong direction so long, wrong meaning painful, that we eventually decide to go the right way, right meaning beneficial, helpful for us. Um, things like uh, addiction, things like 12-step programs, this also is, you know, people that have said, okay, I'm, I'm going to start turning my life into a good direction, I want to start moving forward. And I um, was just actually talking earlier about how when we get out of an addictive behavior it creates a bit of a vacuum because there's like a space that we used to fill with that addiction we used to get a certain feeling we used to get a certain satisfaction from it so if we remove ourselves from that addictive behavior we need to now fill that space with something else that feels good um, meditation when it starts working starts to feel really good it starts to become more than just this empty vacuum space holder it starts to actually feel this contentment is very grounding it feels really good to be with yourself to be in relationship to yourself um, if we look so if I instead of leading meditation just sat here and stared at you and you all came in the room and I didn't say anything and I just sat here for an hour and a half I'd, I'd actually be very curious what happens um, but usually what happens is that people would start to just kind of get up and leave or they'd meditate they close their eyes and meditate and then open their eyes and be like oh he's still just sitting there staring and it wouldn't really make sense and some of you might even say in your minds 
I need guidance. I'm here for guidance how to practice. You know, I need you to lead us. And for me, that's a really funny statement because as a human being, you are already being. What is it that I'm actually giving you? It's like, how can I help you into a state of being if a state of being is already your fundamental elemental nature? You are, you are seeing, you are perceiving right now. You are always, it is always switched on. Yeah? So that state of being and perception is always just there. But then we would just be sitting here and then your mind would go, now what? Yeah? Is this it? But what am I supposed to do? And we believe that mind. We believe those thoughts. We don't realize that those thoughts are pointing in the wrong direction. To sit here and say, now what? It's like, now nothing. This is it. Be here. Yeah? Okay, but I mean, I could have just done this at home. Yeah, good luck. Yeah? Okay, but I mean, I, I need your instruction. How, how should I be here? There's no should, just be here. Okay, but when I'm here, then my thoughts are racing. Okay, when you notice your thoughts are racing, then you're here again. Okay, but I get really bored and restless. Be here with your boredom and restlessness. Then that is what's here with you. Yeah, it's a profound practice and probably the simplest thing we could do is learning how just to be here. Like, I think the world would become a better place if everyone had an hour every day where they just had to sit silently, not meditate, just sit and be with whatever's going on. If they're bored, if they're tired, if they're angry, if they're frustrated, if they're worried, yeah? If there's birds flying around and they're listening to that, whatever's going on, just be with it. Not think it should be different, not want it to be different, not push it away if it's painful or try to pull in more of it if they think there's a good feeling in it. Just sit and be with whatever's there. Let the mind just be a witness, be present, be that awareness of whatever's happening. Because that starts to build another kind of muscle. It's the muscle of forbearance, which has atrophied in our culture. The muscle of forbearance. How can I just be this equanimity? How can I just be with whatever's coming and not be so reactive, not be afraid, not think bad feelings are going to kill me and good feelings are going to save me? Learning how just to be. Sit here on this kind of hard carpet in this room that kind of smelled like garbage a little bit when I came in with the like fans in the background and it's kind of bored there's not much going on here right but how is this really any different than any other moments of your life you know it's like this is as good as it gets guys like really like you're safe you don't have to talk on your phone you don't have work to do you don't have anybody to think about but yourself this is really like a neutral space which means like, because the space is neutral, if you have an unpleasant experience in the space, you know that's all your own mind. And if you have a positive experience, you know that's all your own mind. So the whole point of us coming into this room is because we're forcing each other to sit in this neutral space where there's nothing really going on. If I wasn't here, you guys would start chatting or something, right? Looking on your phones, right? So we're sitting here forcing us just to be here together and start really just receiving that information, being present, not fighting anything, not striving for anything, learning that it's okay, that it's okay just to sit here. If I'm bored, that's okay. If my leg hurts, that's okay. 
if I'm having a, if I start levitating and I see lights and I'm in bliss, that's okay. Whatever happens to you in this time, it's okay. And even before we talk about how to meditate, just learning how to be okay with whatever's going on, I would say is like the foundation for how we should be living in this world together. Learning not to be so reactive, learning just that everything's okay, that I can be and I can breathe. And that starts to build contentment. And that contentment is the foundation of meditation, if not the whole path of meditation. The content mind wants nothing. It's able just to be present, just to be here with whatever's going on. Doesn't want more, doesn't want less. That's why it's taught in pain clinics and hospitals and things like this, right? Because they're not giving people more medication. They're teaching them how to sit with your pain and say, you know what? It's just that much. It's just that bad, but no worse. Yeah, and that's really the foundation. That's the groundwork. That's what's super helpful in our daily lives as well. To be able to sit in traffic without the radio on, without feeling frustrated, like you want to move faster, like you're trying to go home, to really just be able to sit there in your car and feel totally fine. To just accept, and this isn't like learning how to be passive. This isn't learning how to be apathetic. It's actually deprogramming that part of us that always wants more, that always is trying to get something, so always trying to push something away that's always irritable, irritated. Something deep in us that's always irritating. Because life, it's a movement, and it's not dependable, and it's gonna snow again next week, and there's nothing you can do about it. And things keep happening that are out of our control. And I think the older we get, the more we make those experiences. Although, interestingly enough, some people, as they get older, they get even tighter. They've realized the world's out of their experience, out of their control, so they just don't leave their home anymore. Because at least my home's in my control. Yeah. But then they're trapped in a body that's out of their control. So the more we start to realize and make that experience of how things are out of our control, but what we can control is our relationship to those things. How am I going to relate to that feeling? How am I going to relate to that sensation, to that impulse, to that thought? Yeah, what am I gonna, how am I gonna respond to that? That's what we can start to work with. And that's also how to start to find that place in the middle where we're not being pulled back and forth between every little thing that happens. We start to really become more centered, more grounded, more stable, more in ourselves. And then each step we make, it's because we want to make that step because we know we're moving in a direction that's good for us, that we want. Not, we're not doing it out of reaction. They answered like everybody's things. So, as always, I mean, we're here to relax. We're here to let the mind rest, to have this time where we can just rest and let things go. We hopefully will all leave this room more peaceful than we came into this room. And simultaneously, in between all of that, see if you can start working on just being with whatever's going on. That if you're sitting here and your mind is just racing and you're thinking about other stuff, try to just be with that. Don't think that that's not meditation or that, no, I came here to rest and I'm, it's too much movement. Don't compound the problem. 
just be with the fact that something's happening that you don't want to happen. Because if you can make peace with that again and again and again, that's really what meditation is, again and again and again, making peace with the fact that things are not happening the way that I want them to. Eventually, you're building up karma. You're building up a momentum of peace, of contentment, of allowing, of openness, of softness, of gentleness. And then suddenly the mind will start to become open and soft and gentle and peaceful. So instead of reacting to what we're seeing, respond to it with peace. Respond to it with acceptance. Respond to it with allowance. Creating that energy in your mind, then your mind will naturally start to relax and soften and become present by itself. And because that's such a nice place, because that feels so good, the mind will then by itself start to concentrate and come together. And then you won't have the problems with wandering thoughts because your mind will be so happy just to be here. And you won't have problems with knee pain because your mind feels so good you don't even feel your body anymore. Yeah, that all of your problems actually go away <coughs> once you've made peace with them. Which is counterintuitive. So I think with that, <clears throat> we'll get into our practice.